Welcome back to another episode of Discover Ag, brought to you in part by Case IH. I am your host, Natalie, a rancher and pharmacist from Nebraska. And I'm Tara Vanderdusen, a dairy farmer and environmental scientist from New Mexico. And we are bringing you the top three trending topics in the ag and food space this week so you can better understand our food system and feel connected to the hands that feed us. And we're doing it together in the same room this week. We are in Illinois. We are in Illinois. We are in Springfield. We're moving around a lot, so it's complicated. But yeah, right now we are in Springfield, Illinois, and we are headed today to the Farm Progress Show. I'm very excited. I don't know why. I cannot be the only person that mixed up my I states. I can never remember if I was going to Iowa or Illinois, but I did know I was going to the Farm Progress Show, and that's a great start. I have been doing a lot of driving the last two days, and it just blows my mind how close the Midwest states are. Mm-hmm. Like, we just out west. You could drive all day and be in the same state. We had that conversation. My parents were actually down visiting this past weekend. And we were talking about how big Montana is compared to Nebraska. Luke and I drove the state of Montana once. I felt like we drove forever. And we were still in the state of Montana. <laughs> I heard a really crazy thing the other day that if you drive from the very bottom of Texas to the opposite, like, very corner of Texas, that is the same distance as the top of Texas to Canada. That is an insane statistic. Yeah. You know what I shared when we had that conversation with my parents about just the varying state sizes? I shared our fact, uh, was it two weeks ago, about the Alaska coastline? Oh, yeah. Were your parents like, oh, my gosh, that's insane? Because that's an insane fact. Just dropping ag facts left and right. Thanks to Discover Ag. Uh, Before we get into things, let's hear it. Go ahead and give me the beration that everyone is giving me about my football video (laughs) with (laughs) Dad. I don't even know if you could call it that, a football video. Daniel and I, when I showed Daniel, we laid in bed. It was like at the end of the day, just like hackling (laughs) at you. You know, I'm glad I could put a smile on people's faces. (laughs) It was just, it really was the, it was the arm. Like I'm doing the motion. I know people can't see. And then it was the squeal. And it was also like Tad being like, just absolutely unfazed by your tackle. <laughs> like, I feel like he fell over for you. Oh, probably 100%, which is nice. Luke told him, like, don't just help your mom out, you know? The sad thing is, is I'm fairly athletic, actually. And so it just, I needed a do-over. Like, if I could have watched myself and then done it a second time, I would have been like, okay, just run normal and then wrap. Like, I get it now. I get how you tackle now. But something about the start of it, it was, you know, there's a lot of kids watching. It was a high pressure situation. I just love that Coach Luke coached a little late. Okay, Coach? He's like, hey, you shoulda. And I was like, oh. Anyway, I got quite a few DMs about people who missed it sharing on because we only shared it Thursday. If you are listening to the podcast today and it's August 31st, if you go to our Discover Stories, I will share the infamous video one more time for it to live on in the mind of discos before it gets filed away for no one else to see but me and Tad for the rest of our lives. Um, I was about to say don't listen to this then because maybe I should make it a highlight bubble on the <laughs> on the Discover Act Instagram page. Oh, <clears throat> So speaking about farm progress, we will give you guys all the update next week because it has not started. We will be heading, we are recording before we head to the show. So all the details for that, which we're very excited. Um, there's going to be a lot for us. We're doing a lot. We'll have a lot to share. My first time at Farm Progress, your first time, so it'll be really good. 
I did get a sneak preview yesterday. I went, um, but the show was not open yet. Like today's the first day it opens. And oh my gosh, you're going to be like, well, I mean, you've been to like other farm shows, but it's a very impressive farm show to say the least. And we're actually going to be bringing it to you kind of for the next two weeks. So next week and the next week, we will have some more farm progress. So we're going to have some really recording some interviews. We've got some good stuff coming. Farmers don't mess around with farm shows. World Ag Expo. I don't know if you've ever been to that one. It's also, I've been to that one and it's, almost overwhelming it's so huge i have been to husker harvest days before so i am curious to compare on the scale of farm shows you know just i guess how the different ones compare to each other it'll be exciting but you speaking of exciting you did have an exciting day yesterday because i was flying and being delayed and spending my time in the airport but you are at a big event for case i was they unveiled this massive tractor (laughs) like i don't know how else to describe it it was a behemoth but I got to drive it. I did great. It was a quad track. Um, so it was very, very impressive. So one thing we haven't mentioned is Guinevere is actually here with us. I brought her along. If you've been following my stories, you know she's here. And while you had a terrible travel day, we also had a travel day that was kind of a nightmare on Sunday getting here. We got into the hotel at 1 a.m. We had to drive like two hours from the airport here. So first we had a two-hour drive ending at 1 a.m. And then... We almost got stuck in an elevator. We had to physically open the elevator door to get into our hotel. Good thing you guys are farm girls. Put a farm girl anywhere and she will just figure it out. You don't have to worry about us. All right. Um, Well, should we move into the discovery of the week, the word of the week? Yes, I can see your phone, so I'm trying not to look at it so I can still be surprised. Okay, here it is, you guys. Trapes. 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 It's like crepes, but with a TR. <laughs> of course you would. <laughs> I'm hungry. It's breakfast. You immediately think of food. <laughs> okay, so what does trapes mean if it doesn't have anything to do with crepes? To walk or wander aimlessly, warily, or reluctantly. Kevin was forced to trapes behind his parents as they explored the city's museums and art galleries. Oh, that's perfect. Guinevere's going to be traipsing behind us all day today. I was going to say, the one thing we don't do is trapes. Like, we're women on a mission. Yeah, that's true. But I could see us today kind of browsing, you know, you know. yammering and traipsing. Yammering and traipsing. It's a possibility. Through the Farm Progress show. Yeah. I don't know, though. You're right. We're kind of on a mission even today. We've got places to go, people to see. But we could get distracted by a big tractor. TBD. Okay. So today is episode 112. And it is brought to you in part by Case IH. To the men and women at Case IH, farming is a way of life, a life they live every day on millions of acres across North America. Get to know the farmers who work at Case IH and see how they bring that perspective into everything Case IH does. Visit builtbyfarmers.com to see their stories and to even share your own. Uh, I On that note, I want to say after meeting a bunch of the Case IH team yesterday, it was really incredible to see their team in action. Like they were just the most down to earth people. Like you think about Case IH as like just this huge national global national and global brand and their like team was so welcoming made you feel really comfortable at the event and I feel like that's not always true at events like sometimes it's kind of awkward you're not sure where you're going who's where and case was incredible they were so sweet to Guinevere they let me bring her along they gave her a miniature pink tractor which pretty much made her day so I'm just so thankful for our sponsors uh Case IH so thank you guys thanks for having us out yesterday and we're excited to bring you more from them in the coming week all right moving into the first article you guys need to know in the world of ag this week title peanut allergy is on the rise here's how scientists are trying to help kids overcome it 
Scientists are getting one step closer to having a solution for peanut allergy with the development of a peanut skin patch that helps children safely tolerate exposure to a small amount of the nuts. Um, a couple of the statistics, you know I like to have those. Peanut allergy is the second most common food allergy in children and is on the rise. So that's why I feel like this um, article was one of the reasons we picked it. It is definitely increasing. It occurs, it occurs in about 1 in 50 kids and 1 in 200 adults. I thought this was even crazier. 1 in 10 adults and 1 in 13 children in the U.S. have some food allergy. And all of the numbers overall are increasing. But peanut allergies is one of the most deadly. And um, I was actually thinking last night, we were with uh, Mary Pat Sass, if anyone follows her online, and Guinevere got a dessert to go. And she said, she asked, like, is there peanuts in this? And I literally for a second, like, had a panic attack because of people's such severe allergies. She didn't have an allergy, but it was like, oh, my gosh, I should have, like, checked before I just, like, hand people food if they have allergies. Like, I don't know. Peanut allergies are like serious. They are. And I wrote down in my notes that reading articles like this actually remind me to take pause for our health. Because like you said, um, you know, your laundry list of statistics there. I take some of those things for granted. You know, no one in my household has a major food allergy. No one in my household even has like a major allergy allergy. Um, Tad and I will flare up a little bit um, during, you know, certain seasons. But nothing that I say like interferes with our life. You know, nothing that I'm like, we need to have medicine on hand. Definitely not like EpiPen or anything to that severity. And um, I don't know, it's just a second for me to pause and be like, thank you for my health. And um, just have a little, like you said, a little bit awareness for what other people do have to go through in their everyday 24-7. Yeah, that was one of my questions to you. I didn't think you had any allergies. I feel like I would know that, but I wasn't sure about your kids. And same with us. We don't have any allergies. And I'm so glad. Last year, the last year of school, um, the school Guinevere and Annalise went to was actually completely tree nut free. You could not bring anything. And one time I by accident sent like a bag full of goodies and it had a Reese's in it. And I completely blanked and I felt unbelievably awful because there was kids that had like really bad and thankfully the teacher it was like in a ziploc bag it was fine but i yeah when that happened i was like oh my gosh i feel so bad for those parents who have to navigate like your kid having like needing an empty mm-hmm. so getting into the science behind this patch the results are coming from a late phase clinical trial out of the new england journal of medicine And it was a randomized double-blind trial in children between the ages of one and three, and then this peanut patch that is titled right now or labeled Biaskin. The trial used 362 toddlers from eight different countries, all of whom been diagnosed with a peanut allergy. After a full year, 12 months later, the researchers found that two-thirds of children with less sensitive peanut allergy who used the peanut patch could tolerate having a peanut protein equivalent to three or four peanuts. And those who had very um, sensitive allergies or sort of a more severe one could tolerate the equivalent of having one peanut, which don't let the results fool you, you guys. One to four peanuts does not sound like much, but as we've kind of been talking about just a little bit, it could be a huge difference for children with a peanut allergy because they're not so much the goal isn't so much to like have them start consuming it. It is to, like you said, avoid that accidental exposure, that accidental um, out of their control, which is something that it's almost like a reassurance essentially that um, because so much of it is out of control of like where the setting you're in and the other food you're around. Um, So it's a pretty big deal. Yeah. um, My sister, her like, or nephew-in-law like on her you know her nephew but on her husband's side he has a really horrible allergy actually to proteins and one of the things they have had to do is like teach him to not share food for the exact reason you're talking about and I had never really thought about that but if your kid has an allergy like you can't just be like 
oh, do you want some of my like cracker at school or whatever? And so I was thinking through this, that's so helpful that at least like if there was an accidental exposure, your child would like not be in harm's way. Like I just, I do think it would put you at ease. And the other thing I kept thinking about this was cross-contamination in plants. And so I was thinking about how so many people with food allergies probably have to avoid certain other foods that package that say like may be exposed to peanut protein or whatever. And it's not because that food even has it in it. It's because it was packaged in a plant that also packaged the peanuts. And so I was like, that could be huge just for opening up other foods that you could maybe feel a little bit more safe about bringing into the house. Yeah. And this study is not the only study that's going on. There are some other options. Like people are really trying to figure this out. Um, There is like oral peanut immune therapy where they slowly expose children to peanuts um, that have a peanut allergy to... I don't know, kind of like shock their immune system, like little tiny bits and then increasing it over time. Uh, Another one was called the impact trial, giving highly allergic children between the ages of one and three a peanut protein powder that can safely desensitize them. So there's, it was cool to read about all of the different options that are going on. But one thing that had me thinking, like I feel like the um, recommendations for children has changed. Have you experienced that from like Tad to Rue? Because when Guinevere was a kid, it was when she was a baby, they were like, do not give her any allergy foods until after a year old. And then with Annalise, which was only three years later, they were like, no, the earlier, the better exposing him to allergies. So I feel like there was a massive shift. And I read that was in this article too, that we have shifted our guidelines that actually early exposure can be better of allergens. Yeah. It's crazy that there's so many years between Tad and Rue and I'm like that parent that did things the exact same, probably. (laughs) I didn't follow any guidelines. I I 100% agree with that. You've told me things and I'm like, you are not supposed to do that. And you were like, no, it wasn't a thing when Tad was a kid. And I was like, no, it 100% was. (laughs) Uh, I wrote down some fun peanut facts. Do you want some fun peanut facts? Yeah. And then I have one other thing that might be a little um, controversial. So go ahead. Do that first. No, go ahead. Let's hit the fun stuff and then I'll come back. Okay. It takes about 540 peanuts to make a 12 ounce jar of peanut butter. Is that more or less than you would think? 540 peanuts. I think that's about right. I think that's about right too. By law, any product labeled peanut butter in the United States must be at least 90% peanuts. Oh, wow. I know. I was shocked by that because I feel like Jif gets a bad rap. Like it's all just Crisco. Uh Uh-huh. And you're like, no, it's actually 90% peanuts. You can drop that fact now. And oh, here's a water one. They threw almonds under the bus. Sorry, almond listeners. It takes 3.2 gallons of water to produce one ounce of peanut. Bonus fact. One ounce of almonds takes 28.7 gallons. I mean, we know almonds use water. It is what it is. So supposedly, I kind of, I've heard this from peanut people and I tried to fact check it online and I found some information, but there is research and it could be moving faster, but because of it being kind of like controversial that you could make a GM peanut that would remove the allergen. And they have been doing research on it for peanuts as well as wheat and some other things where they would actually like the CRISPR technology would um, strip the allergen protein. But there is apparently the controversy is this is kind of like the insider information I got that some people in the peanut industry don't want to have a GM peanut because they don't want to deal with the same thing as like everybody else that has a GM that like it's like oh is it a non-GMO peanut butter is it not but how cool would that technology be to just instead of having to deal with like the kids and clinical trials you would stop it at the source by removing that allergen I'm also very curious about people who are anti-GMOs if they would shift their perspective knowing that that was one of the things you could do, like the capability of it. 
I mean, you think there's like golden rice where it increases nutrients so that people like, especially in Asian countries where they are eating rice, that does not change their opinion. Yeah. Or I guess it probably depends on the person. So I don't know. I thought that was fascinating. I thought the whole article was fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've been really wanting to cover it. So I'm glad we finally did. So but before moving into our second article, guess what I just got in the mail this week? Mm. Right before the day before we left for this. I don't know. My ringer's packed. <gasps> oh, I know. And it's pretty fabulous. So shout out to our next sponsor, Ringers. I actually got the athleisure wear. You stole my notes. Oh, no. What were you going to say? I ordered athleisure wear for them. I don't know, probably back in the spring. And I forgot that I ordered that. Like, you know, it got put in my drawer under a pile of other tops I always wear to work out. And then I saw it the other day. I was like, what is this pink top? And I put it on. And I was going to say, you guys... We plug their Western wear all the time. I plug, I mean, Luke is 100% obsessed with their shirts. It's the only t-shirts he wants me to buy. I stocked up on him for long sleeves for fall because he just, you guys, I don't know what it is, but he swears by ringer shirts. It's the only thing I'll be able to buy him. Tad loves them. I love them for Western wear. And we've always talked about that. Do not sleep on their active wear. The top I wore the other day was so impressed. It was double lined. Like it almost felt like a Lulu top, but it was longer. So it wasn't cropped and it was just, it wasn't as constricting. I mean, it was, it was fabulous. I was like, I've got to place more of this tank. I did a sports bra and I don't think I've ever said this about the sports bra ever in my life. It's the, I think it's the best sports bra I've ever put on. It like adjusts in all the right places. It was so comfortable. And then I got a pair of yoga pants great pockets I mean what girl doesn't love a good pocket let's be honest girl dinner and girl pockets it's got pockets on the side it's got pockets on the back for like your ID if you go running so go check out ringers but do not miss out on their link is in our show notes you guys and code discover will save you money so make sure when you get to the cart you do not forget to put in code discover All right, moving into the second article you guys need to know in the world of ag this week, titled The Inventor of the Pumpkin Spice Latte told us how it became a cult favorite. And Starbucks is celebrating the 20-year anniversary with two new drinks. I just have to say, I was reading this article and I thought they made a faux pas because they are talking about this 20-year timeline and then they use the words or letters 2002 and 2003. And I was like, that is not 20 years ago. I was in high school then. And then I did the math. And I was like, they are right. We are old. Another reminder that we are old. You and our notes today are cracking me up. I literally put 20 year anniversary of PSL, which means I was 14. Like, And I put that can't be right. And then I was like, that's right. Like, That's absolutely when it came out. Um, but I'm actually really excited we're covering this. We could not quite figure out what to do for our second article. And we, I found this and sent it to you. And it just feels so right as the launch of the pumpkin spice latte happened last week or so I have to ask are you a pumpkin spice latte girl I never tried one in my life I think I've tried one but I'm not a pumpkin spice latte girly but I'm not we're not coffee girlies so I'm surprised we wanted to cover this did you see the picture of him Peter Dukes who is the inventor no or the mind behind it yeah I don't know what I imagined the mind behind the pumpkin spice latte to look like but it wasn't like Peter Dukes I don't think (laughs) Um, it is kind of crazy. I feel like why I wanted to cover this is because the pumpkin spice latte inspired an entire retail category in the United States, a massive one that, um, in 2019 was the pumpkin, like limited edition lineup. 
was worth over 500 million. Last year, it was up to 800 million from everything from pumpkin spice deodorant, which I had to laugh about, um, pumpkin spice Cheerios, like everything is pumpkin spice now. And we are in the pumpkin spice season. I mean, it's for sure a part of society now. Yeah. So one of the things that they think made this so popular really took off in 2006, which at the same time was a big year for, you know, uh, social media platform X, formerly known as Twitter, and for Facebook. And they really think that's what like launched this. So diving into the article a little bit, they did cover what Tara just touched on, which is kind of the virality of it. And I thought it was interesting because the inventor did note that he said, typically Starbucks will carry our seasonal offerings for two to three years and then they kind of just run their course. But he said he could tell that something was different about the pumpkin spice latte. And I find that so fascinating because I kept thinking about one of our favorite books, which is Contagious, which talks mm. about why things go viral, why they take off. Um, and I just, I didn't dissect the pumpkin spice latte and kind of the history of it or its path, but it would be so interesting to see what categories it fell under for Contagious, like why it did take off outside of like social media, of course. The other thing I thought was really interesting is he, or the article kind of dived into, I guess the creation of it and kind of the process. And they were like, it was basically just a leap of faith, you know? I loved the whole part about the liquid lab that is at the headquarters of Starbucks. So I've actually toured a food lab before. Um, It was for when we were like taste testing uh, Fairlife. And I'm not gonna lie, it was one of the coolest things I've ever been to, to think that people like sit around and mix different flavors and like have fun. So this team, they poured espresso over pumpkin pies and then tried to like figure out how it tasted. And I left this conversation or this article hungry, first of all, for pumpkin pie and being like, can I change my career path? Is it too late to leave Discover Ag and become a taste food experience? It is 100% too late. You are not allowed to leave Discover Ag and no one headhunt her for the taste test. <laughs> I was like, I need a co-host. I can just taste pumpkin pie all day. That sounds fantastic. It does make me, always reminds me of the jobs that are out there you don't think of. The other thing I thought it was interesting is they, because you know, I love to like, there's science behind everything, even art. There's science behind art sometimes. And they were saying that they were evaluating a handful of the potential flavors and the focus groups indicated the lowest purchase intent for pumpkin, but they remained really curious about it. And it ranked highest on the base um, basis of uniqueness. And so that is why they ultimately ended up with it. I know. I think that's crazy. Also, they um, the pumpkin spice latte has its own Instagram account, which is also funny. It's called the real PSL. And then also thinking of things that like didn't necessarily work out or maybe they did, but the pumpkin spice uh, latte launched after the successful peppermint mocha. But it's kind of funny that like it was actually second and yet is still like I'm a cult following. Did you read that it launched under fall harvest latte? Names can make or break you. I mean, we took us a long time to pick Discover Ag. It really did. Hope you guys like it because yeah. we're not changing it anytime soon. <laughs> Hope we made a good choice the first. Well, I mean, we did rename our, our podcast. We yeah. did change directions. Um, fun fact, dairy fact. I haven't done this in a while. Here we go. Starbucks on average uh, serve 20 gallons of milk per day per store. So most people like when as a dairy farmer person, um, when we talk about marketing, coffee shops are actually milk shops mm-hmm. that add coffee flavor when you really think about how many lattes and stuff are there. Um, Hence why, like, obviously, plant-based is trying to get a bigger foothold in coffee shops. Mm -hmm. The last thing I was going to say before we move on into our last and final article is for people who drink coffee, unlike Tara and I, Starbucks is releasing two new drinks. They have the iced apple crisp oatmeal 
oat milk, shaken <laughs> espresso. That's a mouthful. And the ice pumpkin cream chai tea latte, which is also a very long title. So anyway, if you guys are out trying those, take us. We'd love to be a part of your um, fall drink experience. And do me a favor. When you order the iced apple crisp oat milk shaken <laughs> espresso, ask for yes. real cow's milk, please. I'd really love to see it. You'd make my day. Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. Okay, before moving into the third article, I want to thank another one of our sponsors, uh, Good Ranchers. I have kind of a lot to say about them today, you guys, because they are doing such a good deal right now. If you sign up for a subscription box with Good Ranchers right now, you get free ground beef for two years. You will get two pounds of ground beef in every single box. That is a value of over $480. And that's in addition to the fact that you like price lock your meat for two years. So like the value on that is just crazy to me that you would get free ground beef. So um, definitely go to goodranchers.com to get your free ground beef. And our code right now, Discover, is worth $25 off any box. And as always, all of their meat is, you know, Good Ranchers is American meat delivered. So go check them out. And actually on that note, I, I know we talked about my ringers box coming in, but I just got a notification yesterday that my box of Good Rangers seafood has shipped. And I am so, I'm like, you know how much I love salmon. It's wild caught salmon, which we learned about in our debunking of Seaspiracy. So I'm so excited to try their seafood and I'm telling you guys all about it. And I have a really good salmon recipe. So I'll be dropping that as soon as I get my box. Toot toot for the salmon recipe. No, it's like amazing. (laughs) Uh, I was going to say we did interview Ben Spell, which is the founder of Good Ranchers last week on the podcast. It's a mini interview. So it is attached to the end of our Thursday episode, the three articles. So if you, for some reason, skipped out before that or stopped in the middle of it or at the beginning of it, make sure you go back and listen because we did talk about a lot of really neat interesting, unique things. Um, one about the beef industry and then two also about good ranchers themselves. And I think their mission and just the way they approach, um, the giving mentality of their business is really cool. So check out the interview. And then like Tara said, make sure you go place your order. The link is in our show notes and use code discover. Yeah. Don't forget to do goodranchers.com. As Natalie said, that's in our show notes and our code is discover for $25 off any box. All right. The last and final article you need to discover this week, title Researchers Explore Heavy Metals in Crops. A Michigan State University research team has received a $611,000 grant from the U.S. Department of Ag, National Institution of Food and Agriculture, to examine crop uptake of heavy metals such as arsenic, cadmium, and lead. Before I didn't know where to start with this one, but before I get started, I think I know where I want to start now. This is another article from um, our friends at Morning Ag Clips. So um, I'm excited that we're going to be sharing this one again. But to tell you guys a little fun fact, I don't think I've ever told you this. Oh, the dish, the tea. Yeah. So the entire reason that this came up is because in 2021, a congressional report on neurological and developmental dangers of high levels of arsenic, cadmium, lead, mercury in store-bought baby foods. Do you remember when that all came out? Kind of. So my notes (laughs) say I was confused by this at first because I lived under a baby food rock. which we're actually going to be bringing someone on to talk about like, quote unquote, baby fed leaning. I'm really excited about that. I didn't call it that, but that's what I did. And I didn't do it intentionally. It's just what we did. I did baby led weaning and I definitely called it that because I 
of course you Classic did millennial um but i didn't buy a ton but and uh, my kids were too old by 2021 anyway to be eating baby food honestly <laughs> was like five like like you here's baby food. <laughs> um but anyway this when that article came out and it was just everywhere in the headlines it was actually my initial idea for a podcast about the hands that feed us conversations with the hands that feed us that was my entire initial thoughts was i wish i had a podcast where i could bring on a carrot farmer and say what is going on right now with all of this are you afraid to feed your kids your carrots like what is happening and i just thought it would be such a great premise for like connecting people with like where their food comes from and here we are here we are doing that talking about this article yeah Full circle. Full circle moment. That's what we call first circle, you guys. Yeah. So going back to the article, you were right. It does stem from the 2021 um, FDA release. And then after that initiative came a congressional report. Did you say this already? I kind of like the action plan. I already said that. But then in 2021, the U.S. FDA released an action plan called Closer to Zero that was how to reduce the contaminant exposure. Right. Okay. That's what I was going to read. So the mission is really to serve as a resource for growers, food industries, and policymakers. The project has three overarching objectives, which are aimed at uncovering the circumstances that lead to heavy metal uptake and what can then be done to mitigate it. So safety really is the core of this. Um, and I love that because one of our sound bites I feel like we always talk about is that we do have a safe, affordable, and abundant food system. So in instances like this, where it may not necessarily be the most safest, um, I love to see that like research is stepping up to continue to ensure that and change that. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely going to have a significant consequences for farmers and food processors. It will definitely like change the guidelines of safety. But what I loved about it was all of the different teams that are researching this at Michigan. It was Michigan State, right? Um it's made up of four different departments, which was fascinating. The horticulture, plant and soils, and micro um, microbial. Microbial. Sorry, I lost my place in my notes. Food science and human nutrition and ag, food, and resource economics. Like, there's a lot of different departments at Michigan State that are going to be like bringing this together, kind of. Which I I don't know. I thought that was really cool. For my undergraduate work, um, before when I was applying to pharmacy school, I worked. I did research in a lab. And man, that's a special type of person. So thank you for all of our researchers in the lab because um, you guys obviously make a very big impact in several different facets of our life. And um, one of my favorite sound bites was from the lead, the uh, professor and associate chair. He said, to ensure a safe food supply, it is crucial to understand what drives crop uptake of heavy metals, which is extremely complex and varies by crop species, soil type, field topography, and climate conditions. We recognize that solutions to this problem require stakeholder collaboration across the entire food supply chains. I love that quote for a couple different reasons. One, because I do think you can see these articles and kind of what you're talking about back in 2021, you can see the headlines and it can be very fear instilling, which is okay. I mean, as it should be, but it is interesting because I think people would assume they are being put in there or introduced. Right. And a lot of it is, I don't want to say out of our control, but a lot of heavy metals come from like soil and just the earth crust. And so I love that he's like talking about, we have to understand what drives the crop uptake and just bringing a little bit more, I think of peeling back I think he's removing a little bit of the fear in the statement. And then I also loved talking about the stakeholder collaboration 
because that's something I think you and I stand for is like everyone has to be involved at the table from the beginning to the end to make these changes and differences. Yeah, I agree. Um, a couple of reasons why they chose carrots. Uh, carrot, Michigan carrot growers produce uh, annually more than 52,000 tons of carrots. They also, with getting this funding, they were able to expand some of their research to carrot and wheat. And another reason they told chose carrots and wheat is because those are two of some of the most common ingredients in baby foods and they also obviously have large production regions in Michigan to be able to study it and then some future plans for other projects include looking at rice and spinach um, and other crops that are a part of the closer to zero plan so if you google percentage of metals in baby food did you do that no, but I feel like I did back in 2021. But what does it say? 94 to 95%. And that's what every single article says, which you and I have learned now through our research work. Copy, paste, repeat is actually very common when it comes to news articles. I am yep. actually astounded sometimes when I will click on how many and it will be word for word. Like I, I think they, I wonder if they sell the article and like give you rights to then just publish that in your newspaper or I don't know how oh, that they works. They probably do. You know, what they do is like a press release. And so I like Michigan State may have sent out a press release to, I mean, I don't know this, but this is how it typically works. Like you blast all of the news things and it's the exact same press release. So it has the same 10 talking yes. points or facts. And then, yeah, they just caught you basically want to make it. I've been a part of it on the dairy back end marketing. You may want to make it where it is copy and paste for a news article. You've pretty much written the article for them and they just have to like come up with the headline. So it made me think that there was probably one study done that found the 94 to 95%. Yeah. And then everyone has just like written an article based off that. Yeah, and I think one of the things back in 2021, people were like, this is why you make your own baby food. Like you could, even if you make your own baby food, this could be in, you know, carrots. Like you said, this isn't being added to the baby food. This is a part of the carrot. So like, it's definitely something we need to be working on. Um, I thought it was really crazy how they're going to be using AI or machine-based learning models to actually analyze the data and help them make like better decisions. All right, that's kind of all I had. I think that's all I have too, so... All right. Well, thank you for discovering with us again this week, and we will see you guys next week.